Welcome to a special edition of Exhale. Today, we'll be winding down our Ask the Respiratory Therapist series, where we've interviewed multiple therapists, PFT technicians, and nurses in different healthcare situations during COVID this past year. We asked them to share their experiences with you, what they've endured during this pandemic, and what they expect since it's not going away anytime soon. Your hosts are Mark Russell and Jansen Lanier from Vitagraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. This is our last special edition series. We interviewed Carla Encarnacion. She is a registered respiratory therapist and the director of respiratory therapy at the Research Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri. She shared how she motivates, counsels, and keeps her team together during this pandemic. Well, welcome, Carla. Thanks for coming to our podcast today. And we really appreciate you coming over to our offices and joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you guys. Please give us a little background on yourself, education experience, and your current responsibilities. My name is Carla Encarnacion. I am a registered respiratory therapist. I am also a neonatal pediatric specialist and a certified pulmonary function technician. I have a bachelor's degree in respiratory care from the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. And I also have a master's of science in management from Colorado Tech University. I have been a respiratory therapist since 2010. I started out as a respiratory therapist in Houston, Texas. I have also worked in Cleveland, Ohio, and now Kansas City, Missouri. And how long have you been here in Kansas City? I've been in Kansas City for two and a half years now. Wow. Are you liking it? I'm liking it. And Kansas City has definitely grown on me. Have you chosen your favorite barbecue joint yet? I have not. I can't do that. I like change. <laughs> yeah, that, that I mean, a good answer. No, no, no. <laughs> because here in Kansas City, there are so many different choices of barbecue joints. So you can't just knock it down to one. So as a uh, director of respiratory therapy, what are the challenges you've been endured in the last 15 months? Uh, you know, being a director of respiratory therapy, there's a lot of responsibility to ensure that the hospital has all the equipment you need. And with that equipment, you have to have all the parts and pieces and disposable pieces of equipment that go with it and making sure you don't run out. And also looking out for your team and your people and being there to support them, making sure they have what they need and that they get the time off and paying attention to them when they start getting worn out and burnt out. What are your concerns with this new COVID variant coming here recently? And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing that's coming in? You know, it's very interesting because the facility that I work in, you know, in the beginning, we were there in the beginning. We were one of the hubs that took care of all these patients initially when we knew nothing. And now here we are in what we are calling our third wave, our third go round with it. And we know so much more. We know that we're putting these patients on high flow therapies first and we're putting them on non-invasive therapies first before we try to intubate them and how important proning these patients is for all of them, even when they initially come in and we're providing care to them, you know, we're still seeing that buildup in those that get really, really sick. We still see those very, very, very sick individuals and it still really impacts all of the healthcare workers when we lose them because we are still losing them. Are the ages affecting people? We're hearing a lot about that. Yeah, we are starting to see that some of them are getting more into what would be called the middle age groups. You're starting to see those individuals that are in their 
40s, it's not just those individuals, you know, grandma, grandpa that are in their 70s and 80s, we're now starting to see the younger get very sick. Are they patients that have comorbidities still? Some of them are. Okay. Some of them are, but not all of them. What do you see the comparison of last year to this year with COVID? Is there some changes? Are you learning more? Are you more prepared? What do you say is going to be the differences between last year to this year? I think we have definitely learned a lot more and hospitals are a lot better prepared in their efforts to provide care for these volumes of patients that we are seeing. We talk to so many of our suppliers and even you hear about suppliers decreasing the wide range of options with equipment they offer, decreasing it down to one so they can produce so much more so that we still have, so that they're not running out, which is really fantastic. But on the educational aspect, we're so much more prepared with, okay, we know we're gonna start with this medication, and then we're gonna go to this medication. We know we have those protocols, those algorithms of where we're going to start. Whereas when this whole thing started, we didn't know. Interesting. And I'm going to throw you a little curve here. I've recently heard that another hospital is looking at doing the infusion Mm -hmm. uh, treatment that our former president had. Is that something down the line that other hospitals are looking into, or is that starting to grow as a method of combating COVID? You know, I have heard of patients getting it, but I haven't been too invested in knowing really the numbers because Mm -hmm. there is so much I do try to keep up with what comes out from the FDA and the CDC of what is available and what methods and what medications are being trialed, but I haven't looked statistically at what those infusions look like. Yeah, and it's too early to tell. It really is. A lot of your focus is more on census numbers, right, within your facility? Yeah, a lot of my focus and my attention is on how many patients do we have in-house? Do we have the equipment? Do we have, you know, you get into inhaled prostaglandins. Mm -hmm. Do we have those medications and the equipment on hand so that we make sure we're continuously giving these medications when they're needed? So let's talk about burnout rate. How's your staff doing? You know, as a director, you got to be the leader and, you know, you know, be the head cheerleader to keep everybody going. What are you doing there in your own department? Uh, you know, we did for a while there, we tried some really fun games, just interesting things where you fill out a sheet of paper, just answering random questions, putting them up on the wall for each individual without their name on it and let everybody guess and see how well they really know each other. And it generated a lot of conversation and a really a lot of team building and just something fun. Everybody needs something a little bit uplifting, but also really working hard with administration to make sure we can adjust and have the staff we need so that we can give everybody time off because everybody needs that too. We are very fortunate where we do have a department where Our senior leadership team, our administration, has been very supportive in ensuring that whatever is offered to nursing is also offered to respiratory therapy, which has been really fortunate and really great. That doesn't happen too often. Usually you'll see kind of the nursing and respiratory being two different siloed in hospitals, and and I like to see that groups, especially at the one you're at, bring them together. Yeah, it's been really fantastic, and they, you know, they all come down and they round and they walk through the units and check on everybody, which is fantastic. That's great, and you know, what a great distraction. Is there any other little things that you've been doing to keep people's spirits high and not have a burnout rate? You know, a lot of it is just keeping in touch with them and making sure that we find those little uplifting moments and celebrate them together. How about, do you guys share 
positive scenarios, like positive situations, like I can't believe we did this and it and it helped the patient, you know, the success stories, if you will. You know, we um, have a fantastic team that also comes back in is engaged in helping us connect with some of those patients that have, you know, we call them graduates. They've graduated, they've made it, they were really, really sick, they were in ICU, and we were there with them, we were holding their hands with them, and they made it. They were extubated, they were able to be discharged from the hospital and go home, and we've had some fantastic stories where we've been able to reconnect with those individuals and really rejoice in them. And even in the beginning last summer, we would have huge celebrations when individuals were able to leave the hospital with music and ringing bells because it was such a fantastic moment. What I can see is down the road, there being the reconnections, you know, kind of like a NICU patient comes and finds that NICU nurse after 15 years or whatever it may be. You have this COVID patient that was in uh, ICU for, for 10 months, eight months, whatever it may be, and they survived and they've gotten out and they've succeeded in the world and they come back and they you know have those moments i think that those uh uh those things are going to happen in the future i really think so and i think we're going to hear the stories like i myself have shared in my story i was a very sick child i'm in the medical field because i was a cancer survivor when i was 22 months old Mm. so i was i grew up in the medical field Mm -hmm. because i had so many connections with so many people and one of those individuals was a respiratory therapist so i think we're going to continue to see those stories as well can you share any personal experiences with your patients you know um, we have those very very sad moments where some of the rts have talked about and even just taking those moments to go in there and hold the hand of an individual who's in there and they're alone and they're scared and there's so much going on around them and there's everybody and all this personal protective equipment and you can't really see faces and just to be there and take a minute to talk to them really means the world and you have to stop and take those moments can't imagine being put in that position and be able to be that liaison between the family and and the patient but still that human contact you know is missing it's tough that kind of leads to another question that's kind of off of our list but has your organization been giving the grief counseling for those staff members that have dealt with it you know that's another thing i can say where we are very fortunate i've had an amazing team with our human resources and connecting with them and they've helped us connect with social workers who take the time and come in and talk with our RTs. But also we have a fantastic chaplain service who always make themselves available. And when we have, I mean, it's very unfortunate. There are times we have seven and eight patients die in a 24 hour period. And I mean, this is even still, this is even in this wave, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And it's very impactful and very hurtful on those caregivers who are in there. Right. So making sure, making that phone call, making sure someone is in there and talking to them and letting them know they're supported and bringing them into my office and sitting them down and letting them talk and letting them cry it out just so they know they're supported and they have someone to talk to about it. And then also we have a couple different apps that are available to them on their cell phones and making sure they have those downloaded so that they have counselors they can reach out to and they have those support services. It's been extremely important. What's your feelings of some of these patients that do recover? What kind of plans are going in place? 
have you heard anything? Because we, we've been interviewing a few of these uh, respiratory therapists, and we're not hearing anything that's in place for a lot of these patients that do recover. But in return, you know, there's no pulmonary rehab for them to continue their healing process. You know, and I really think that that is a huge opportunity in the medical community is to really start looking at pulmonary rehab programs and what they can start to offer because we still don't know what are the long-term effects going to be. Right. I mean, is this going to be someday another added extension of COPD? Mm-hmm. We don't know, and we're not going to know for years to come yet, but it's right. something that these patients go home on oxygen and we're doing you know, these oximetry tests to send patients home on higher liters than we ever have mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. and we're doing more and more of them just trying to get these patients to a point where they can be discharged and go home. Do you think oximetry is enough? So, for instance, there are devices out there that do FEV1 and FVC and so forth that track a little bit more functionality of the lung instead of just the overall saturation of oxygen. And I think there would be a huge benefit to that because we're just looking at such a small portion. And most of these individuals, all we're checking is, okay, well, now you can compensate better. We don't know if your lungs are truly getting better. We know, okay, your oxygen level's getting better, but what is that whole picture? What does it look like? We don't know. Yeah, the oximetry gives you the snapshot, not the picture. Mm -hmm. Or not the overall picture, I guess you'd say. (laughs) What are those lungs really doing? Have you had any patients re-admitted type circumstances? You know, I think we've had a few, but it's not a data that I've delved into at any point. We've asked this a lot, and nobody really has that. that It's just one of those Mm -hmm. where it's the same as you go to a pulmonologist. You ask them the question of how are you following up. Mm -hmm. It's one of those where I was speaking to a pulmonologist and and saying, what are you doing post-discharge? How are you truly tracking these patients afterwards? Because every patient we've seen is different on their outcomes. Mm -hmm. One can be on oxygen for a while. Another one can feel just great and be just fine, but guess what? What they're not telling you is they're having trouble walking up and down the stairs. They're not going to tell you because they don't want to go back to the hospital. They don't want to talk to the doctor. They don't want to do anything else. So, you know, it's those situations that we're missing out. And I think that just making a follow-up call, Mm -hmm. hey, how are you feeling? Do I need to do anything else? Do we need to follow up on anything else? Should you do more study? You, you telling that story about going up the stairs, it reminded me of when I was a young RT in Houston. I did some work in pulmonary rehab, and I had this wonderful older gentleman, and I was doing his six-minute walk with him, and I'd ask him, what's your number? I'm a one. Dude, your, your saturation is 60%. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're a one. You are not a one. <laughs> I, I really don't think so. <laughs> And he would insist. Right? He it's would insist. I'm a one. I'm doing great. <laughs> no, you're not. We're gonna need to wait. Hang yeah. on. I need you to yeah. stop. Yeah. No, absolutely. The the perceptive numbers, right? Mm-hmm. The, how they are. It's like the pain scale, you know. So you, you definitely get those, especially in the six minute walk. Yeah. No, I'm perfectly fine. Oh. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> and and, and dear yeah. pulmonary rehab patient, please stop trying to keep up with the cardiac rehab patient. Yes. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not apples to apples. It no, is not. not not at all. To kind of recap, is there anything that you would like to tell our audience that may be listening of with your experiences, what you can urge people to do and just send a message out, the experiences that you've had with this COVID? You know, I think the biggest thing for me personally is A, wash your hands. B, wear your mask and please wash them. 
make sure so many people Good you see one. the kids just pull them out of their book bag with all the crumbs running away from them no please put them in the wash regularly it does help it is that's a, a huge difference that's a good point and you know take time for each other in society we have gotten you know the essential individuals are tired and check in on each other and have those conversations and reach out and have real honest conversations it just does so much for everyone's mental health with everything society is going through. It's sure. just so important. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make an observation. Carla is wearing her mask in this podcast, uh, and we appreciate that. You can never be too careful. I thought it was a great point that wash your mask. You know, a lot of people say that, and that's good advice. Yeah, you know, kids have just gone back to school, and everybody's starting to get used to those things. And it's really yeah. important to dig those out of the backpacks. Yeah. I have a uh, soon-to-be nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and they go to school, and they've got about 15 masks lined up in the, in the bathroom. And, you know, basically when they get off, they know to throw it into the hamper, and we clean that hamper every night and yeah, get new stuff every day. Yeah. Well, Carla, we really appreciate you sharing your experiences. This is great. This is a great series that we've had with a multitude of respiratory therapists uh, being interviewed, and uh, we appreciate you coming down and uh, sharing your experiences. Thank you both so much. It's been so great to be here and talk with both of you. Thanks, Carla. Thanks, Carla. You have been listening to Exhale with Vitalgraph. Your host is Mark Russell. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Please leave a review and subscribe for new episodes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalgraph.